welcome to the Carbitrage Podcast, episode 135. I am Eric Berger, joined as always by my co-host, Ryan Sinisky. Hi. Hello there. How are you doing? Good. Fabulous. You've got a call sh- I do. I have a clown shoes. Mango. Uh, yep. Yep. That's my favorite beer ever. Our, uh, our okay. only manual Patreon patron, Tom, Gave went to you? Florida seasonally, and he's like, clean out my fridge. I don't want to drink all this when I get back in the spring. So I'm like, That's okay, fair. fine. I'll be drinking a couple of beers that he bequeathed us. Over the I next have a Lake Superior kayak Kolsch. Mm. What a what a Kolschy note we're yeah, starting right. today on. I would open mine, but it's already open. Let me just throw a cap. So you're gonna try to hit the, the bell with it? No, it kept hitting the weather thing, so it didn't make any noise. So I was trying to throw it on the wood, so oh, you okay. hear me drop the cap. Is and that I like kept... a mic drop? A cap yeah. drop? <laughs> But, like, I just kept hitting this WeatherTech floor mat. Uh, drink liner. Yeah, drink liner I have here. Anyway, I had this last night, but I'm going to pretend this is my first one. Is it swell? It's really good. Excellent. Um, also, can we talk? Look at the haziness in the sediment. Yeah, it's... Is it an unfiltered beer? Yeah, it's an unfiltered Kolsch, which... I like I've sediment. not had an Very unfiltered Kolsch, because that is not... Unfiltered. That's I believe this is definitely filtered. That's extremely filtered. I've never seen an unfiltered beer in an aluminum can before. I've had one solitary <clears throat> Hefeweizen that was unfiltered in a can, hmm. and it was really weird. Was it a squealer or was it an actual like, can? It was can. a can-can. Okay. Um, can you do the can-can? <laughs> but, uh, no, it's, I've never had a unfiltered Kolsch. It's really good, because the Kolsch is just kind of a variation of a Hefeweizen or a, a wheat beer. Yeah, it's got a little more going on yeah. in a different way, and it's, it's, it's perfect for a not-as-hot day. What's the difference, if I'm not mistaken, the difference between a Kolsch and a Hefeweizen is the Kolsch uses two different kinds of hops. And Hefe is just a single? It's a single hop. Mm. So the Kolsch, if I'm not mistaken, I could be completely wrong about this. From so if I remember talking to somebody like years ago about this. If I'm not mistaken, the Kolsch, since it has the two different hops, it gives it more complex flavor profile one hop you taste earlier on and then it switches to the second hop on the finish interesting it's like a sequential turbo exactly yeah <laughs> it's the two jz of i don't beers. know why this reminds me but we were talking beer on thursday and it was hazy ipa yes and i described it as what was it, it it's it, you take out the nine volt battery you add fruitiness yeah that's the fruitiness was. is where the nine volt battery yeah, would that's have been was. yeah that's, that's it so there yeah. we go that is that is my review as a, a person who knows very little about beer it, the, a, hazy, hazy a hazy ipa is the only way to experience an ipa because every agree. other ipa tastes like dog shit yep yeah, and not that I know what dog feces tastes like directly, but I'm guessing that it's very. Similar. I've been eating something. I've been eating. Oh, actually, just give weirdly enough, strong. I've been eating a saltine cracker because I was homesick, and when I was a kid, and my dog took a shit in the hallway. <gasps> oh no! So I had a flavorless food in my mouth while smelling dog shit. So I'm pretty no. sure I'm I'm aware of what it tastes like. Yeah, <laughs> that is like the traditional palate cleanser, which was actually extremely close to most IPAs. Uh, Weirdly enough. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's let's move on from beer, I guess. Uh, I want to quick plug our Patreon page, so patreon.com forward slash carbitrage. You can head over there. We have a couple different levels of direct support methods. If you do enjoy carbitrage and want to give us a little extra beer money, we would certainly appreciate it. If not, we'll keep right on doing the podcast. Um, and building on that, we have a Patreon topic. I'm trying to bring these back. Because it's a thing we used to do, and actually we get really good topics from uh, Patreon patrons. But I'm also thinking about just opening it up to people on Facebook and our Facebook page. That would actually be a really good... The only thing we should do is, um, 
we'll have a Patreon topic, um, mm-hmm. which you know maybe is we either spend more time on, but we you get something more is the Patreon topic than the Facebook topic. Or we could post the Patreon topic as sort of a question in the Facebook page and, and then get feedback from that's our a, community. That's a good option. So, yeah. we, can, we can build I, I like on that. that. Anyway, we're gonna directly cover this one because kind of feel bad we haven't done one for a while and i was looking through and it's actually kind of interesting so i want to talk about driveways okay um mainly i mean there's a lot of different like when you think driveway it's like well it depends if you live in the city it's like you don't have one you park on a street or maybe you're lucky enough to have an alley with I a little concrete one. apron i have one it's bituminous it's got a concrete you know floor in my garage but garbage pavement leading up to it so well, when you think of driveway up to it. asphalt bituminous yeah, yeah. same thing well, for of, most people, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> our our listeners are very intelligent for the most part, Ryan. So I'm gonna just assume that they know what bituminous means. No. Yes. No, anyway. I'm I'm making a sweeping generalization <laughs> that everyone knows what bituminous <laughs> is. Um, but yeah, when I when I immediately think of driveway, I think of you know my driveway because that's just the one I encounter the most, and it's fairly long. It's got asshole neighbors on the other side of it, and it's made out of tarmac. Yes, but I Tarmacidum. mean, <coughs> tarmaculum. Yeah, yep, yep. It's a it's a base element. It's also a noble gas in certain situations. <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway, um, so what's like like I said, my my driveway is a straight shot, and then it's got a little parking pad at the top. But like, so this wants to describe driveways, or like, like what? what no. Do we what, what's per- your what favorite? Do we look for? What's your favorite like shape of driveway? Like, do you want something that's just like a straight shot from the street to your garage? Do you want something that's got a little bit of a kink in it? I want a journey. <laughs> Like a Dodge? No. I want... Special financing? I want to pull <clears throat> off of the street. Of course, this is growing up in Edina and knowing people had these kind of driveways. Where the driveway, by the time you're on, uh, getting onto the driveway from the street, you can't see the house. And by the time you're getting to the house, you can't see the street. Yeah. And the driveway in of itself is something along the lines of Goodwood Festival speed. That's how I want my driveway. But what if you had to back up a car trailer or something like that? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, that's I, I'm, I'm sure you can have a workaround. Like an little parking pad lower down for all. Like, okay, fine. As long for, like, as you help. <laughs> it's near the <laughs> the servants' quarters. Okay, that's fine. Who, who the hell is I doing? I did a video project with somebody in high school. I cannot remember who. I think it was Ben or somebody. But anyway, Which Ben. I think Hessness. I okay. can't. I might be wrong. I did a video project but, with Ben Hessness. It was for what, TRM at ninth grade. Okay. Yeah. The, the, did he have a ridiculous house? I never. No, we did it at oh, my dad's okay. business. So it might not have been him, but I was with somebody where their house had wings on it, like literally two separate wings that were each much bigger than, like each one of them was the size of your house. Oh, it doesn't take much. Which. Your parents' house is pretty good size. Oh, my parents' house is. That's I should say, yeah. Okay. Your your house, like when I was growing up. Um, yeah, it's 2,800 square feet. But he had literally a driveway, which went up about a bus length, and then took a left, a banked left turn, mm. went back up, did a banked chicane right turn, Ooh. came up to the front door of the house, and the house is kind of like a little bit of a V shape. Mm-hmm. And then there was a roundabout in front of the house with a fountain in it. That's pretty cool. And this driveway was wide enough where you could easily fit an RV through it without any trouble. So it was very fun to go through at speed is what you're saying. Yes. And okay. it was absolutely – that's what I like in a driveway. 
Okay. Being able to go through it at speed. <laughs> I, I'm I'm kind of right there with you. I would either like a straight shot so I can back car trailers up to it, or I want something that is super wide. It's got bank corners, and it's basically a mini racetrack so I can enjoy parking. Another little thing about why I like driveways with weird angles on them. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can put a tree in the way and the city can't see my multiple not working vehicles hidden behind a tree. Alleged non-working yeah, vehicles. Yeah, alleged. Thank you. That'd be huge because... A, Minneapolis are sticklers about having it's more than four, two vehicles. Think, right? It's two vehicles really? outside of your garage, regardless of the size of your household. St. Paul is four. Well, let me say, regardless the size of your household. Hmm. And if your garage is open, if you have two vehicles in your garage, they hmm. count as two vehicles. Cool. That they can see. Cool. So there's a story that was on City Pages where somebody got ticketed by a really just apocalyptic douche of a meter mid. Mm-hmm. Uh because their daughter and their son both had cars, and the guy opened the garage and he was mowing his lawn, and they, all four cars in the house got tickets. Cool. And they were sent a like cease and desist, and they get rid of one of the cars and everything. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's pretty bad. And then it didn't get dropped because Minneapolis City Council only cares about gentrification. Well, we know that. But anyway, so another reason okay. why I like having a ridiculous driveway so that doesn't happen to me. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so. You you currently have a driveway, right? Yes, I do. Okay, so what what are your thoughts on alleys? So like for me, when I first think of that I'm kind of thing, it's like they don't maintain them, and like snow plowing gets kind of weird in the winter, because like usually it's not like a city contract; it's not a road. So you, you know, your association essentially you just pay together, or you have some hick drive down and just plow your little section. I'm okay with an alley as long as. They don't put in speed bumps on it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, I, I, yeah, most of the alleys are wide enough for almost anything you could do. People usually don't care too much about, you know, what you put on it, which is kind of nice. Even if you're in a protected neighborhood, you're that's like, the garage a, is a like secondary it, structure. Yeah. It's hidden from view, and you can, you know, have better curb appeal, potentially, if you don't have to see your garage. Yes. But, yeah, I mean, I've seen some really nice stuff in alleys, and I've also seen, wow, that is going to fall down. And alleys before, yeah. so I still prefer the single family, you know, three stall garage. But I mean, in a situation like my house where it's kind of tucked up behind, you get a little bit of the benefit from both worlds, maybe. I, I actually found a house in St. Paul that garage was next to a street and alleyway. It was a two and a half car garage, and this is over by a Kipps uh, detail shop, okay, over off of Snelling. Um, two and a half car garage, three bedroom, two bath for under two hundred thousand dollars. It's pretty dang good with. A privacy fence. <laughs> like, that was an unbelievable house. It's just, it's not the right time Especially to market. Especially in this market. Yeah, that's that still seems like a pretty good price. Yeah. I'm just, I'm waiting for a recession before I buy. It's mm-hmm. just, I, I'm not, it'd be foolish for me to buy right now. Well, it is a seller's market. And that's the There thing. are still some deals, but. I'm just, that, that'd be ridiculous to buy right now. Yes. I, I think the driveway is less important than the garage that's on the property, but anyway. Now. I have another question about driveways. Sure. How do you feel about people that park cars on their driveways? Well, kind of building on what you said about the City Pages article, like having two cars parked on it basically at all times, probably when people are home. Yeah. I don't really have a problem with that as long as they're moving regularly. But if there is, and it's hard to like draw that line. It's like, well, yeah, if we make legislation that says, well, it needs to move regularly, then it's going to screw people with project cars, mm-hmm. which I think is totally fine to have too, because a lot of project cars look still pretty damn good. In the case of like my house right now, I've got a 98 BMW M3 just parked in my backyard. It's got current registration on it, so mm-hmm. I don't think I care, but I'm totally fine with it. I don't like when they don't move, and I don't like when you have four 
car's worth of space on your entire driveway and you have four cars on it. So yeah. I, I wish there was like a, maybe a percentage of coverage. Like not to exceed yeah. maybe 50% of your dr- hard-covered driveway with parked vehicles. Somebody has a driveway, two-car garage. Yeah. They have an RV. I think that should be required to have concrete uh, but, I mean, things under the tires of the, con- of the thing on your yard. I don't think it should be on your driveway. Well, then, then you just have people start parking Civics on driveways. No, because it's RV. Or on yards. <clears throat> That's why you have to classify it as a recreational vehicle. They're right. registered so, differently. So, like, a, a shitbox, like, Toyota Chinook. If you can Google a Toyota Chinook. Jeez. <laughs> oh, Is that spelled like the helicopter? Yeah. So. One of those. Oh, that is just, cool. It's super cool. That's my, my favorite RV. But imagine one of those super duper clapped out and having to look at that every day. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's why I would like RVs to be classified separately because those things are a nuisance in pretty much all city areas. And they are actually treated differently from vehicles. So, like, in Minneapolis, you can have two vehicles, according to you. I have no idea. Yeah. And, like, if you had something that wasn't registered as an RV but was plated as a regular vehicle, but it was huge... You could still legally have two of them parked on your driveway. It's like, where? What's the point of that when you can't have more than that in vehicles? Yeah. So I th- uh, I'm not. It, it's a it's a really slippery slope. It is because at the same time, you know, I don't want to, you know, put out somebody like you know Andrew Chase where he's got his he's got two projects in his driveway, but he also has his daily drivers, and he's got a four car garage behind that with additional stuff. Right. You know, but like, really, he's not creating a nuisance. Mm-hmm. Um. But at the same time, you know, I should say that, like, you know, my house personally, before my, we finally got yelled at it, uh, really bent the rules of what you can park. We'll say massaged. We massaged the rules <laughs> a lot. We've gotten it a lot better, but it, we're just down to three cars on the street. But that's the thing. It's like, also, if you have roommates, like. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, that's a huge thing. Like, so, like, this is where it comes from. It's like, we don't have an excessive amount of cars. All right. It's just me, my van. So it's my van, my winter car, the Accord, and then the Cressida at my house. Because I work on the Cressida. The winter is the mm-hmm. the winter car is the Accord, and the van is my van for all the time. Um, Miguel's got his uh, Miata, his Colt, and his van. Yep. So that's six cars. Does he have his uh, pickup too, or no? And the no, the, the pickup got hit. So, Big Up's parked behind his grandma's house. That's super sad. Yeah. Uh, the Smart fits in front of the Cressida without any issue. Um, okay. But, see, that's the thing. is like, It's also one of those things where if you have a roommate and you're both car enthusiasts, it's yeah. very, very easy to just blow clean through that rule. And it's not that easy for, you know, for like, you know, some people, like, you, you can afford a garage like this. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, <laughs> I could pay 90, for it. Nine point five percent of car enthusiasts, and maybe including a lot of one percenters, half one percenters, can't afford that Mm -hmm. because it's one of those things where it's like, like yeah, you want to have your hobby, but at the same time, like I think if you're just being respectful about it, yeah, if if your if your neighbors aren't complaining, if your neighbors do complain, you do something about it. That's right. That and that maybe that's a good thing that people should start working into legislation. It's like, well. It's fine until you get complaints. You're right, until you start getting complaints. And realtors don't count. Actual neighbors count. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's that's (laughs) the big thing. So you just have like five realtors all yell at you at once and then ruin your life. Um, Now, 
Let's take this uh, Chinook off the screen, turn off uh, screen capture. Fine. Uh, I want to talk about the worst vehicle I've ever heard of in my life. That. Okay, so I know it's not pre-war. No, this is the worst crossover of all crossovers. Is it the Mitsubishi Eclipse Cross? No, this one's worse. I don't know about that. All right, here. What is the best American SUV? Like the oh man, the, you're putting me on the spot. The most off-road worthy SUV that you can get uh, that was just like an absolute game changer when it came out, and really the Wrangler. It, it wasn't a Wrangler; it was close. It was a Jeep. But when it came out, it was the perfect combination of comfort and Grand off-roadability. And what the Grand? What was that replaced with? The Cherokee, right? No, they ran alongside each but, other. Yeah, for you, over 10 you years. I mean though, like it took the Grand a, Cherokee. The, yeah, the Cherokee though. No, Cherokee started in '83 and the Grand Wagoneer ended in '94. I know, but I'm just saying that the, the Grand Jeep, Cherokee. The, yeah, but the it. Jeep Cherokee is the one I was talking about. Okay. Like that's the one that really just kind of blew up the yeah. SUV market and yeah. made it a thing. It pretty much did create the SUV. Um. Yeah. I mean, like, it, yeah, they existed before <clears> that, but this was like this was. Kind of like the Model T of SUVs. It, this was the game changer that made it yeah, like... They were cheap, capable, It was... Reliable. It's one of those things where... One of those rare times in the world where your mother and you both agreed on what a good car was. Yeah. Like, when mom's car <laughs> and your car were both cool. Like, that you got would, different trim levels of an XJ Cherokee. Yeah, it's like you can get an XJ Cherokee two-door uh, manual four-wheel drive, and you can get, like, uh, automatic... Yeah, like four-wheel four drive with four like wheel, graphics on like it laredo and, yeah, like for mom and leather seats uh, the jeep cherokee has now turned into the worst vehicle oh of the all modern time. one is the so modern bad. one the kl the we, kl cherokee we first saw worst. spy shots of that thing and we thought it was a joke yeah i honestly how thought ugly it was i didn't think it was a real thing but um i found one i did not know you could get this combination of it but this is how far the cherokee has fallen um it is an automatic Front-wheel drive, 2.4-liter, four-cylinder base model. Yeah, gross. Called a Cherokee. So I did some crunching. Is that trail-rated? No. Um, (laughs) So this is the thing. I was trying to go, why on earth? Like This, honestly, is the worst place to park $22,000. I can't possibly think of anywhere worse than this. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Like They weren't cheap. Um, the fuel economy sucks. I mean, twenty five combined for like it is a nine speed auto and four gas yes. holes. Yes, it, it's, how archaic is that two point four? Is that we also talk about how one? the two point four gets one mile per gallon more than the V six? Yeah, same city economy yeah. and one mpg different on the highway yeah it, it makes the, no difference is the they 3.2 a pentastar still uh i have no idea okay. i don't care um <laughs> that's a better answer yeah <laughs> but yeah it's so i looked up the price brand new they were twenty one thousand five hundred dollars base are they actually selling for that yeah that's like what they're actually uh, like that's what they're selling for so people are actually paying that for a cherokee so i was like i did a bunch of research I had to find this. Somebody, this is the only logic I can think of. Somebody needed a brand new vehicle for whatever reason. Like maybe they had a lease and they were trying to like roll in a bunch of negative equity off of a car that they had that like broke. Like maybe they went to Audi. Sure. 
and like oh, the timing chain blew up and now you own this car for like three grand that's worth 500 bucks and now you got 2500 bucks of negative equity right and this that will bet that vehicle's king of negative equity and so something like that you would roll into a lease so i can understand that somebody maybe leased one of these and wanted to like have the cheapest lease payment possible okay while still having the most cargo capacity because this car has the most cargo capacity of any SUV under $22,000. Does it? How many liters? I can't remember, but it, it, it beat like the Fiat 500L by like, I, I think like two square feet. Like just barely. Okay. Like beat the 500L. That's actually impressive because the 500L is kind yeah. of element-like in how it yeah. delivers. It, it's, it, it does have an impressive amount of cargo capacity. That's honestly the only reason I can think of that. But, like, what? What can you think of a worse vehicle? Than I'm I'm that trying particular? really hard. And Are you talking crossover specifically? I think just vehicles, like a vehicle that is just objectively worse across the board. I would rather drive this than a Nissan Rogue base model. Smaller engines, CVT only, two wheel drive, terribleness. Hmm. I think I'd rather drive this than a Rogue. You know what? What? I'm inclined to agree with you, except for one small thing. What? I feel like this one's going to be less reliable. Than the it Rogue. will be. And, and it gets way worse fuel economy. And the Rogue is going to... Yeah, the Rogue gets better fuel economy. Though. Way better. So, so the Rogue is objectively a better vehicle than this. Because of that. Uh, yeah, that's true. This thing is based on like the oldest technology. It's a port-injected engine, yeah. non-turbo. Yeah. With, it's well, really bad. With a nine-speed trans, though. Like, really? I remember when these first came out, they were having so many issues and people coming back. So, not reliable and just not good. Like, across the board, it's bad. But, yeah, this is literally the worst vehicle on Earth. I think the worst part oh, about it's this... Oh, sold in the United States. There are worse I, vehicles. I have to say, the worst part about this, this is the part that... So, I thought about cars like the Rogue and things like that. Where right. There's, like, a few that I'm like, ugh. Well, I mean, the Rogue has a, a purpose. It's people that want a cheap new vehicle that holds many things and has really good highway fuel economy. This is where the Jeep beats the Rogue, in my mind, just completely, you cannot come back from this. Right. It's called the Cherokee. When you think, the XJ Cherokee, <laughs> right. it, one of the greatest <laughs> off-road vehicles of all time. <laughs> And then there's this. It's like the BMW's new 8 Series. It just vomits on its own heritage yeah, and it, for or the it's sake like, of sales. It's like, imagine if they called the Nissan Rogue, like, the Xterra. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, people would be firebombing. <laughs> like, that's how, it'd be, it'd be worse than that. If they called it the Nissan Patrol. Okay. Which well, is the Nissan version. But in the United States, nobody has any idea what the hell a patrol is. So a, uh, if the Infinity version was the QX50, 75? We, we went over this last time. We have no the, the idea. The big SUV. The Nissan Armada. I think it's a the, QX, it was a QX80. Nissan, the patrol is the Armada. So if they called this okay. the Armada. Yeah, they oh rogue the Armada. Like, it, it's just like, it, it just <laughs> absolutely derails. Can we go legacy. back to <laughs> Infinity? Fuck you. Yeah, it's just... It's I'm using so my one F bomb, and I mean it. <laughs> yeah, Infinity really sucks. Well, I was behind an Infinity, actually, the other day. And I was like, this, this car is really good. I like this. Like, what is it? I looked down, and it was like a Q... It had a Q in it. Is it Q50 or Q60? I can't remember two which door one. Two-door or four-door? I think it was two-door, two yeah. 60. 60, are you sure? 
<laughs> no, no, but I'm, per- I'm like I think it's my gut says it's a Q60. Let, you know, what, let's let's Google a Q60, shall we? Infinity Q60. Yeah, that was yeah, it. That's the two door. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, that looks good. It's that a G. Good. It's a G. It's a G37. Okay, thank you. I thought it looked pretty. It was. Yeah, it was go. in. Um, it was kind of not like baby shit. Like gold, taco night color. Hell yeah! It looked really good. Okay, it looked really good in taco night, especially if it's a three OT. That would have been pretty. Cool. I don't know what engine. Fender had. badge. I, I could. I, I, they started doing that like ten years ago, and I hate it. But anyway, God. Anyway, I so hate the new Cherokee. It's a terrible vehicle. It really is just the worst vehicle. Jeep, you should be ashamed of yourselves for taking basically what is an XJ Cherokee and putting it on a like a GS platform Mitsubishi car that nobody wanted in a car <laughs> and now, now you made truck. it into something just so terrible. Ugh, god. Anyway, all right, I'm I'm depressed by that. Well, give me some good news. Well, I want to tell you about a uh, an electric vehicle thing that's going to surprise you because I never talk about anything EV on this podcast. No, but never. but okay. So we've we've discussed briefly at least the future of engine swaps are probably going to be motor swaps. Yes. They're going to be electric-based just because it makes sense. I mean, what, but the, the biggest problem, arguably, other than just finding components that will connect your motor, which is pretty easy to find, mm-hmm. and your battery, which is pretty easy to find, nothing fits. So right now you have to know a machinist to take this electric motor and you know mill an adapter for the input flange of a manual transmission and to mount it to a manual transmission bell housing. It's it's the same level of difficulty as like a Mercedes V8 swap with with a manual box. Yeah, like yeah. It, it, it's honestly like yeah, it's a it, it is better. It's the same amount of machine work. At, at what amount of pain in the ass <coughs> are you willing to deal with to get the better thing? The one exception I can think of is a lot of these electric drivetrains are not longitudinal; they are transverse. Which so makes it easy. Yeah. you can actually just cut the half shafts on that thing, mount the actual power unit under your car, and then contact somebody like Drive Shaft Shop with measurements and send them the splined hubs from both sides, and then they can make you half shafts for about a grand. Not that bad. Yeah. But that's a commercially available thing because drifters really drove that home. Like, I want to put a Ford Expedition diff in my 240. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, we can do that. We sell off-the-shelf shafts for that. Well, that also, DSS, they're also very popular in the Honda community because of the weird engine swaps that people do. Right, like doing a K and an Insight. You need a DSS half shaft. With with Honda, it's not everything bolts up. But what we would do is we would have there's this amazing company called Hasport, um, yeah, which was Honda and Acura Sports, um, and they started out actually as a, a Honda dismantler, uh, and what they would do is they'd take engine different engines and different chassis, and they literally have a giant board and they pick combos off the board. <laughs> And then they, they put the engine in the car, they figure out how to make it fit, and they right. make mounts for it, and they sell them commercially. And then you figure out every the rest and of the aftermarket. Are beautiful. Yeah, and then the rest of the aftermarket figures out everything else. Sure. So actually, I've got a set of the original Hasport B Series EF mounts from 1996. But the B and the D flow the same way, right? They have the trans on the yeah, same yeah, side. Yeah, B, B, D, H, the, the left side B, D, H, F, uh, J, uh, C. Really? All, everything except for the K Series. J has the trans on the other side? I believe so, if I'm not mistaken. The well, transmission... people J-swap elements all the time. But I think the, the J comes out on the passenger side, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, you know, actually, we have the Googles. Let's, yeah, we have let's... to Google this. I could be wrong, because uh, I know the C does. 
Uh, yeah, I know the the H, D, and B. Actually, no, C is longitudinal. I'm just gonna Google it. J32. You know what? Let follow along with us, viewers, as we embark you know, on this journey. No, J J and K have the trans on the right side. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're. I right. was gonna say, how okay. the hell do people put? Because the the dude that drove up from Chicago to buy my all-wheel drive shit from the old Element. Yeah. Was putting a J in something. That's hilarious. I know. I'm like, can you send me pictures when you're done? That'd be kind of cool. Anyway, I love J swaps. They're my favorite. They're, they're, I mean, it's, you think I mean, the K is a really good engine. It has better power potential than a J, but a J can make a ton of power. Well, there's so there's power. to be a, before he, he crashed it eventually. This is one dude that with a rat tail that would drive a J swapped <laughs> Integra turbo. Oh God. And uh, <clears throat> he would he would take that out street racing. He had that hooked up to I think like a. A B series tranny, which is like a super short ratio tranny. No, it wasn't B series. It was a K. It was a K series tranny. I think they must yeah. run a very similar or the same bell housing pattern. Yeah, but no, the, there's adapters for everything. But I, I think it was no, it did run a K series tranny, but it was a um, EP3 SI. Okay. It's a super short ratio tranny. It's like first, second, third. Whoop, he spun, whoop, yeah, oh, he, whoop, he spun through whoop. the first three because he had like he had like racing coilovers on it. It was oh, like super hood. Of course. But when he would do highway runs, if he did about one third of throttle through uh, second gear and most of third, and mm-hmm. got onto it in the top of third, dude is untouchable. If you could keep the tires on the ground. Yeah, I mean they're they're fast. Yeah, that's so. definitely true. I. I don't know. Anyway, so back to engine swaps and motor swaps. Yeah, so again, right now, in most vehicles, if you want to maintain a factory diff and axles and brakes and everything, your one option is to get a manual and do all that machining work. A lot of people are pulling full subframes out of things like bolts and Teslas. and Like Like the Teslanda. Welding them into the car, and it works great. And you get all that, but like the dynamics aren't right, the spring rates aren't right, the brakes aren't right. So it, it's really case by case. I mean, it's really good for drag cars. It's not good for daily drivers. However, there is a company, and I forget what it's even called. I'm just going to open the link. Uh, but anyway, they are, they're now making at least they're a called prototype. Electric, electric GT, by the way. Electric I, I, GT. I, I, I looked, looked over this on my own before I saw you put it in because I was going to put it in. <clears throat> so... Basically, what they're doing is they have made a motor, inverter, charger combo unit that is in the same form factor as like a V10 version of a V8. Yeah. So it has the same accessory drive bolt holes. It has the same engine mount points, but you don't need a radiator. So it's perfect. Actually, I was about to say that because the drive and then I think somebody else I was reading about was talking about this. I'm talking about, well, it's interesting, but how are you going to fit it? I'm like... it. Me being a Hanukkah person is like putting a a, a B series, like a uh, H series, a Prelude engine into like a Civic. Right. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> like, well, I mean, I'm like, you just take the radiator out and you move that, you put that somewhere <coughs> that's not where it's supposed to go. Pretty much, but I mean, yeah. you can tell these are designed for longitudinal swaps. Yes. But I mean, they're they're set up they're set up to drive hydraulic accessories, belt drive accessories yes. on the front, and also. Mm-hmm. They go onto a normal manual transmission. They do. Huge. With a regular flywheel. Yes. And a regular transmission bell housing. That's all cheap. So, yes, you pay more for the actual power unit, and it doesn't actually make that much power. I think the top spec one of these makes about 320 horsepower. No, 240. That's the base one. No, no, it's 220 and 240 for this. 
That 320 was in the Ferrari 308 that they made. That oh. was a prototype. Oh. Yeah. I thought they were offering two different output versions of this, but maybe yeah, not. It was a, yeah, they, they do. They've got a 180 as well, I think. Okay. Either way, like not yeah. huge power, but plenty. We should also note that there's going to be a hell of a lot more torque. It's well, going to have like... It'll have more torque, but it'll have it much more available for when you're actually driving around. Yeah, but nice. it, it's going to have like, you know, 10-year-old Duramax torque probably. Yeah, it'll probably make 400 foot-pounds. Yeah, easily. But oh. it's it's super cool because I mean they're taking the in my opinion the biggest current issue is the inverter and the charger yes and that is packaged on this so you just go out and buy yourself a couple huge. of volt batteries and you're done this is you're absolutely done. huge for yeah. the aftermarket because I was actually I, I showed this to my coworker and his first question was he's a Mopar guy um, Mopars and motorcycles and just big wet lazy Mopar or no car but anyway uh, he his first question was how much does it weigh. And how much does it cost? And very two very good questions. And I said, I frankly don't care. <laughs> Pretty much. What I'm thinking it's, here. It's aluminum and it's a motor, so it can't be that heavy. What it's I'm, probably really expensive. What I'm thinking here is I'm just thinking of all the really awesome vehicles that I really like from the late 50s, early 60s that aren't small black, you know, American engines mm-hmm. that are really, really hard to source parts for. Yeah. Or engines that just objectively suck, and the car itself is great. <laughs> and this is a perfect option for that. Yeah. No, it's, it, yeah. And the beauty is, like, it's a, it's a modular thing. So, like, when you destroy your one shit box, you just move this thing over into another one. Exactly. Well, there's so many other things where it's, like, this is actually going to benefit the car. So, like, something that's not, like, really that sought after, but it's a really cool car for a 400i. Uh, something like that. This would be a great swap for that. Yeah. Because, I mean, making a set of mounts to hang that, easy. Yeah. Drive shaft, easy. Everyone can do that. Yeah. And it's like a Fry 400i or you get like a 63 Continental would be a really good option. Well, I'm I mean, thinking of vehicles. It could be any made... number of awesome cars, yeah. but like the beauty is it takes the skill level of a swap like this from machinist to backyard barbecue. Yeah. And that, that's what I'm talking about. It's huge. Like You can fit this into so many normal cars or it's like where an LS swap would normally be done. Yeah. And I think... If they made this modular so you can modify it mm-hmm. on like actual like industry standard parts, then you can start doing cool stuff with it. If it's all one off, like it only fits this one vehicle, that's great a little bit of an issue. But you know this isn't geared to performance because if you yeah. want performance, you're going to go buy a wrecked Tesla and you're going to shove all that stuff in your car. Well, and, that, and that's the thing is I think uh, for a lot of people for making EV swaps, mm-hmm. huge is having this geared for performance. If they and, that, that, and I bet now, they will. Now knowing that, it's, I mean, it's 240 horsepower. They're trying to make this so you can throw it into classics and drive them. And you'll be able to do that. Yeah. And I think they will probably, if this actually takes off and they put it to market, which I assume they will, yeah. and it sells well, all they have to do is make it less compatible with a lot of infrastructure and increase the actual width down here. Because right now they're limited by an 8-inch motor. Yeah. Because it has to fit in, you know, the area where the crank weights normally would be in, yeah. a, in a V8. So once you start increasing that to like a 16, 18-inch motor... You're going to be making 1,000 horsepower easy. Yeah. I think that doing a larger engine or in, increasing the power density of the motor itself and right. having a different motor down right. there at the Different bottom. motor technology, too. Like yeah. If you go to permanent it, magnet variable reluctance, things like that. Exactly. So you can still tune an 8-inch motor like you tune you know, a V8. And that's the thing. Six. You can this. You could you could run six hundred horsepower through it. It just won't last that long. Then that, that's the thing. That's not, that's what I'm kind of talking about. It's like if you can make this so drag racers pick this up, <laughs> right? Like I'm just thinking of like 
like cash at the creek, like some dudes out there with a big wet hairy like big block of running alcohol, and then some guy pulls up next to him in a Nova with this in it and just destroys him. Like that's gonna be like the end of the world for the internal combustion engine. Is if that happens. The arguably the most exciting thing about something like this to me <laughs> is you could you could feasibly street drive a Lenko transmission. Yes, you could. <laughs> How uh, badass would that be? Actually, an- another item. <laughs> because I made this so light and so aluminum, mm-hmm. that engine case, that's really thin, and yep. it just exists to hold things on top of it. It does. It's, uh, it's, it's thin. It's and like 10-gauge aluminum. If it's thin, you know what that means? Meant. What? That means that transmits sound. And our favorite noise. It resonates, yeah, absolutely. It makes it just sound I, I do hope it makes noise, because one of the biggest gripes I have about my car is it's too quiet. Yeah, no, I like uh, part of the reason why I want a car from the 1950s is I want the sound of a big wet hairy V8. Oh, just I, w- I want to go on a tangent right now with big wet V8s, but I'm not going to do it yet. Because <laughs> there's, there's a thing I did, but we'll talk about that in the next episode. Anyway, uh, yeah. You. So yeah, that that was that, that's really cool. I'm really excited about that. And actually, speaking of such, yeah, um, FIVA Federation Internationale des Vehicles Anciens. Can you spell? Can you pronounce that in French for me? I'm looking through the notes here. It's right there. Okay, le Fédération Internationale des Véhicules Anciens, uh, or the International Federation of Historic Vehicles, um, has officially denounced EV swapping classic vehicles. Um, of course, that's Jalop- very untwingo like. Of course, Jalopnik is completely losing their minds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're just having a high speed come apart about this. Um, and then it, the the thing is, what they what they said was, EV swapping a Beetle is no worse than LS swapping an old Defender. If your sole concern is the preservation of period correctness, and the article stinks of corrupt of subjective statements, is what they said. Um. I'm gonna just tear apart what they said, what what Jalopnik said, because I love Jalopnik, but they are just wrong in this case. Because yeah. first off, uh, FIVA would lose their minds just as much if Hugh Ellis swapped a Defender. Yeah, because FIVA is the UNESCO body for historic vehicle preservation. Like these are the guys that are like. Concours where it's like, hey, use the wrong kind of stitching, you're out. Right. Like, it's not like, yeah, well, I just didn't do any hard mods to the chassis. I'm like, well. Yeah, no, okay. no. It's like, th- if you look at the original statement, we actually have it here. Um, it is up on your stream, viewers. Yes. And so basically, uh, increasing number of commercial outfits are offering historic vehicles to run on electric power, replacing the entire drivetrain with electric unit and batteries. Um Yada, yada, yada. I may just go through kind of what their claim is. I'm going to read some of this, these three paragraphs right here. It's going to go really quick because it's most of it's just dashes and stuff. FIFA understands the motivation of some owners to electrify their vehicles and acknowledges that subject to legislation and regulation, all modifications are a matter of personal choice. However, FIFA as an organization is dedicated to the preservation, protection, and promotion of historic vehicles, cannot promote to vehicles or regulators the use of modern EV components, motors, and batteries to replace historic vehicles' powertrain. Conversion of historic vehicles from their original internal combustion engines to electric power doesn't comply with FIVA definition of a historic vehicle, nor does it support the goal of preserving historic vehicles 
and their related culture. In FIBA's views, vehicles are so so converted, cease to be historic vehicles, unless they are subject to in-period changes. So, basically what FIBA said is, unless it's a period-correct modification... All of it doesn't matter. All of it's wrong. So they're totally okay with EV and electrification as long as you're using lead-acid batteries from the 1920s and permanent magnet DC motors. If it's if it's a period-correct modification, they're okay with that. Now, that does lead to what if you put a Detroit electric power plant into a Model T? Is that still an electric vehicle? I think that would be pretty cool, especially that if you would be a really cool pre-war modernized uh, the uh, batteries, like put them in the original like lead-acid yeah, battery yeah. cases, but put lithium cells in them. Yeah, I think that'd be really cool. Also, by the way, Detroit Electrics, super yeah. cheap. I don't like, care. I don't, I don't $50,000 do flawless. <sighs> I still don't care. It's a phone booth that you could put a Tesla engine motor, or a Tesla motor into. Thank you for Which would be yourself. hilarious. Anyway, so yeah, like FIVA's just, they're totally in the right here. Because this is also, again, mm, again, this, I, I disagree. FIVA is not, they, they are not a performance thing. That, they are preservation. These are the matter. people, no, these are the people that put cars into museums. That's what FIVA is. So that's right. What, so why are they dictating what people do with their own? They're vehicles? not. They're just saying what is considered a historically preserved vehicle. Uh-huh. That's totally different. That's like saying, oh, the Mona Lisa is great, but you can't use lead-based paint. So we have to actually completely rebuild the Mona Lisa to not use lead-based paint or something like that. So for FIVA, it has to be at least 30 years old, uh, preserved and maintained in in a historically correct condition, not used as a means of daily transport, and part of our technological and cultural heritage. I still think this is super dumb. If, if, If you take out the original powertrain... It's and you not don't make original. any hard modifications nope. to the car. Well, yeah. It, it, once you put it back together, it's fine. But in its, if it's converted to an EV... Who cares? That's not the same thing. If you do it to... Like, say you've got a, a pre-war Beetle. You take out that air-cooled flat four, and you, you bolt in an electric conversion kit, and you have the original pre-war drivetrain sitting on an engine stand next to it. Tell me how that matters. That matters because it's not the drivetrain in the car. You don't so? have the driving experience of the vehicle. It's completely different. Great. It was probably shit. Yeah, you're right. It was shit. And that's what they're trying to preserve. <laughs> okay, all right, fine. I think I accept this a little bit better when they're just... <laughs> they're Old tr- cars were bad. You they're need to know to preserve- how bad they were. Well, no, that's part of history. They weren't that great. But at the same time, you know what else wasn't that great? Michelangelo's David. The penis fell off. That's true. That was a so very non-robust penis. Now... Let's say what they're basically saying is this is the equivalent of saying, all right, you take Michelangelo's David, you're going to put on an additional new penis, and then you're going to paint the whole thing but with paint that doesn't come off. It's like a synthetic urethane penis, and it doesn't match at all, and it's bigger. It, and that's exactly is what that they... Is that like engine swapping a classic car? Is that what yeah, they're saying? Yeah, that's exactly what they're saying. So, so imagine you put a dildo on Michelangelo's David. Is that then preserved? That's good for a laugh, but it is not preserved. Exactly. And that's exactly what they're saying. <laughs> so that's... I think we have inadvertently come up with the best analogy <laughs> and that's to FIBA's what argument. They're, what they're saying is like Jalopnik's losing their mind for no reason. And your original response was Jalopnik's response. Well, it's because it's it a makes, clickbait article. It makes sense. Clickbait. Yeah, exactly. It is clickbait. But their response makes sense. However, FIVA is correct in this case. Anyway. Fine. Let's move I, I on. Don't to... even really have an argument to that. No, so. it's a, I, that's. I just wanted to talk about that because I thought it was really interesting. Speaking of Detroit EV electric thing. vehicles, 
I want to talk about something that is not pre-war and is electric. And you drive Detroit. a Mazda, Ryan, do I you love not? I Mazda, yes. Uh, Mazda makes pretty good normie vehicles. They make great uh, cars. I wish they made an EV. They, uh, they inadvertently lifted Veil on an EV that they're coming out with. So this is in some ad somewhere, but it's called the MX-30. It oh. has a gigantic overbite hood on it, clearly based on a CX-5, and it's, it's an EV, and it's got the RX-8 rear doors. That was in an ad run in a Japanese newspaper. Magazine. Or, sorry, magazine. No, yes. it probably was a newspaper, but I'm just going to call it a magazine. But it was an ad run in Japan. Yeah, cool. And it was meant to promote a car show. Not this. <laughs> Not like the, yeah, the, and the uh, car show embargo prom- violating it wasn't Mazda. auto show shop. It was the car show promoter that put down, there's like, these are all of the cars that Mazda's going to have. Come How see these. How much angry were they? Uh, not that. Okay, cool. Like, ah, whatever. It's it like two uh, days early. Yeah, it's whatever. I'm, yeah, but clearly this was taken like at a press day at an auto show, so it's probably it's probably already yeah, like, legit by now. Yeah. But okay, so I want to just talk briefly about the specs because I'm I'm I know you guys hate when I talk about EV stuff, but whatever. It's a CUV, boo, cool double two door FJ RX8 doors though, so that's kind of cool. Yes. 141 horsepower, 195 wheel torque, 35 and a half kilowatt hour battery, which is pretty good what is that how many miles well if you're driving it kindly probably 160 miles so not quite tesla but still a crappy tesla it would probably be pretty close because it's a much more efficient layout than a tesla even though base tesla just an ev just an ev but but it's cheap and how many miles does it go about 160 it's it's not gonna cut it and it's fully eligible for the tax credit if it comes here so it, it 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 doesn't cut it, I think. But but it's like, but the CX five drives great. EVs drive great. Like I bet this thing's actually kind of fun. Yeah, I'm sure it's fine for the twenty feet you can drive it. I guess it's probably based on a CX three, huh? But this is the thing. Twenty feet is not twenty feet. It's one hundred and sixty miles. Who right. drives more than that, really? You. Not well. <laughs> anyway, so Damn the it. Uh, <laughs> you got me. This is the thing with a Fiat five hundred. That's fine because that's a city car. This is a crossover. This is for going antiquing out in the country. You could do that. There's no antiquing places that are that far away. If I were to drive... So, all right. I, I drove the entire capacity of this battery. Yeah. If I drove kindly, I would have driven from... Last Sunday, I went from... Or, last Saturday, I went from St. Louis Park to Bloomington in northeast Minneapolis okay. to New Prague, Minnesota, mm-hmm. back to northeast Minneapolis, back to St. Louis Park, then to Bloomington. When there are many CCS chargers in that area. But that's the thing. That took up my entire day. Doing that's that in fine. an internal combustion engine. But that's like saying, and also, I need an SUV to encounter snowdrifts more than 10 inches high, which happens once or twice a year. So this is basically the thing, though, is that you don't need the SUV A. And you B, don't. This would be better as an, it, a Mazda but this, 3. This is the issue. The marketing of it. Because they're marketing, since it's SUV, it's going to be marketed to the people that go, I need an SUV for snowdrifts. But it's also marketed to the people that maintain their vehicles the worst. And electric powertrains hold up really well to neglect. Like not charging it. And then you go out to your house and you're like, shit, I can't go anywhere today. Good. This shouldn't be on the road. They're crossover drivers. No, they shouldn't be, but that's what I'm saying. As a sales pitch, We should put 10 kilowatt hour batteries in CUVs so they can't drive. That's a great idea. But I think as a sales pitch, this isn't going to work out very well for Mazda. Do you know what they should have done? Just made an electric chimney. You know what Mazda should do is or electric Mazda they should 3. do what BMW did and have a tiny little rotary engine off in the corner that acts basically is just a 
big ass alternator. A range extender. Yeah, a range extender, <laughs> like an alternator that'll just charge the vehicle. But a rotary range extender. Well, I've seen the smallest pot, the smallest form factor. Okay. Of the internal I mean, combustion it would be engine. kind of ironic because those yeah. are incredibly dirty engines. Yes, but. Yeah, I'm all for that, actually. Mazda's cool. actually thinking about bringing back their rotary as a range extender. So They were uh, originally, and now yeah. it's coming back in an actual car. So. But anyway, it's one of those things where it's... Um, I, I think if this had a range extender, it will sell like hotcakes. And yes, it does. It's got a bit of an overbite. And it's got a Habsburg chin. Can, can you just Google a Habsburg chin? Well, I just made one on myself with my fist. I know, but... It, Habsburg? Yeah. H-A-P-S-B-U-R-G. Oh. From years, from Ooh. hundreds of years of inbreeding, Ooh. all the Habsburgs had terrible chins. Ooh. Man, your <laughs> These... sister wasn't even attractive. How did this happen? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the Habsburg chin is. B-U-C-X-30. This is why. We're no longer on the air in Japan. I know, right? It looks like it's got a Habsburg chin. <laughs> anyway, uh, there you go. Mazda's doing an EV. Mazda's doing an EV. Mazda's kind of a smaller car company. I want to talk about even smaller car companies okay. than Mazda. Oh, jeez. Um, well, there's a lot of them. Nobe, um, Persang, uh, the uh, whatever the new version of Hispaniel Sueza would be, stuff like that. Pagani. Okay. Koenigsegg. It's probably like Remes, honestly. Remes. All of these companies, though. Morgan are all low production. I want Morgan to do an EV. I want a wood chassis and an electric power train. That's actually in the sounds same... really awesome. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Uh, We've solved the issue. Or more directly, DMC, the modern DeLorean. Yeah. Uh, Instead of companies just like building on 1981 DeLoreans. So, well, DeLorean originally wanted to do new cars, but in in 2015, uh, the U.S. government passed the Low Volume Motor Vehicle Manufacturers Act. Which was pretty cool. Of 2015. Uh, this year, SEMA actually just um, submitted to the Ninth Circuit of Court of Appeals mm-hmm. that um, they are suing the um, U.S. government. Wait, for SEMA? SEMA. Is suing. SEMA SAN is their, um, is their lobbyist arm. And SEMA's suing the U.S. government... <laughs> Because uh, they haven't enacted this law that was passed in 2015, and the law states that they've got 12 months to uh, enact the law, and oh. they've just been sitting on it. Oh, okay. Doing well, that's kind of cool. Um, the law states schedule- that it was scheduled to be implemented in 2016, but legislators have failed to do so despite the law being passed. So SEMA filed the lawsuit uh, in the California. Bill allows the sale of turnkey replica cars, DMC, with a new chassis. Sure. Or a Persang Bugatti. Uh, with well, sale of low cool. volume that doesn't meet NHTSA safety requirements. I'm building a brand new Avon Time. Now, that would include Pagani, Morgan, and Nobe are those three. Sure. Um, the bill delays actually caused a lot of job losses, actually. Because that Countach remake well, let me, that you uh, see above... Let me actually open up the screen cap yeah, here. That Countach remake was the guy lost his shirt. Actually, went into bankruptcy because he uh, built the company around this law being enacted. Mm-hmm. Oh, jeez. Since it hasn't been enacted, it's cost him hundreds of thousands of dollars of unpaid... Of not being able to pay for work. Right. 
and so he well, he hasn't got. I'm sorry, he hasn't actually. I don't think he's actually gone bankrupt yet, but he's. Oh yeah, he's it. probably just having to just funnel cash into this yeah. thing. So. Um, and then DeLorean has actually had to fire several people in their Nevada plant. So this is actually causing real life job. I don't know what the hell Republicans are doing. Not talking about this. Well, they're too busy trying to downplay impeachment proceedings, I That's guess. That's probably, yeah. I, I don't know. But it just it doesn't make sense. Or even, like, any presidential candidate should talk about this. I agree. Like, but, I mean, we, we're, we're in the minority when it comes to topics that we feel are important. Because most people are driving no, this their is the thing. This is a, CX-30s This around. is a super easy win for any politician. Is just say, look how do nothing our government is. We passed a law that would create jobs in America, and they're doing nothing. They're costing America jobs. They should then roll a repeal of the twenty-five year rule into this, and then I'll be happy. Well, then you just have to go back in. But it's, it, the thing is, this is actually law. This is law. It's just that they haven't enacted it, so you can't actually apply for any of the stuff that you need. That's cool. to be able to build a car under this law. That's pretty dumb. Yeah. So that's what SEMA is suing over, and uh yeah, it is totally ridiculous that this hasn't been done. Because, yeah, there's so many cool things. And actually, there you probably could do a... Avon Time. You probably could. <laughs> I'm going to build a replica Avon Time on a Nissan Quest. Well, they do small vehicle production, so you could buy, say, a used Avon Time. Mm-hmm. And then modify it in some way. By putting a U.S. VIN on it and trying to not pull an R34? Yes. That would be tough but, to get in through. Well, no, no. You, you modify it in some way. It's a Nissan Quest. And then, and then you sell it. No, you sell it as a different vehicle. So I say, suppose. Say you get, like, an Aventine. It's a it's a Modi. And then you could do, like, yeah, if you put in, like, a, like a coach-built Aventine. So you coach-built, like, put, like, a body kit on it that's easily removable. And then, like, some like nice make seats. Make the interior nicer. Yeah. And then change the badges a bit. Yeah. And, and then electric powertrain. Well, even if you use the stock VQ. Okay. Fine. I mean, I'm just seeing ways to get Aventine into America via this law. You, I... could, you, just, you could just coach build it in America, and then it would be. Well, getting one into the United States is extremely tough. Otherwise, I would just buy one and not register it. Well, that's the thing is you you would buy it with the under the company's name, mm-hmm. coach build it, and okay. then then you sell it as your own car. I I have difficulty conveying how much I want an Aventine. I you have difficulty conveying. Yeah, I guess that's true. So anyway. Pretty spurgy. I, you know what I really want is I want a car about the size of an E30. That's a BMW. I just want a good BMW. So you mean you want a 1 Series from 10 years ago? Maybe even a 2 Series. I could go with a 5 Series and like a 90s 5 Series, which would be a 2 Series. But like the 2 Series that came after the 1 Series, it was like similar. It was rear-wheel drive, which was cool. It was good, but not great. But it had electric steering and like it had the crappier powertrains. I said good, but not great. Well, I mean, you could have done okay with that until like this month. Have you seen that new 2 Series that they're coming out with? No. Oh, yeah. So uh, your hopes of a... A tiny BMW are totally, totally gone. Why? <laughs> what did they do? Do, do, you, they, do you even want me to tell you, Ryan? Did they turn the entire front end into uh, one solitary overgrown kidney grow? You know, they did, but that is not the biggest issue that this car has. What is That is literally a solitary grill at that point. <laughs> it's front-wheel drive. Okay. It's called a coupe, even though it's four doors. You like that. I like the Grand Coupe vehicles because they look good. The 4 Series and the 6 Series Grand Coupes look better we than the 3 and 6 Series. We had our conversation about these. 
and then anyway, you said I'm trying, that you like that form factor. I do. This is not a grand coupe. This is a four-door hatchback sedan with a bloated A-pillar because it's got a front-wheel drive transverse four-cylinder under it. But I want to talk about how BMW took the last enthusiast chassis they made, which was the 2 Series. And ruined the it. The current M2. And they've turned it from a rear-wheel drive, optional manual transmission, front engine, six-cylinder layout into an automatic-only front-wheel drive with optional crap-ass all-wheel drive sedan. Like, I love sedans, but the 2 Series is not a sedan. I have a, I have a question. What? I hate this car. When we were in high school, yeah. if I told you that, and you believe me, that BMW would one day turn into... Effectively, an Kia. Ac- no, an Acura ILX. That's, that's a, a Kia. Th- that's an Acura ILX. That's a Kia. Well, no. It- the Acura looks better. But I'm saying, just mechanically, that falls in complete, perfect competition with the Acura ILX. The, the, the targeted-up Civic. No, because yeah. those are both reliable. This is not. But anyway, so you, you I mean, though. <sighs> if I told you that BMW would effectively create an Acura ILX one day, front-wheel drive, automatic only, and that would... Replace their sport, their their, their sports car, their enthusiast coupe. car. Would you have devoted your life to being a BMW enthusiast? No, but I haven't. I've been a very uh, loud admirer of their good product in the past. You've owned more BMWs than any other vehicle. I have because they've been good until recently. But that's what I mean. And they're still honestly one of the last manufacturers in this country that sell manual transmissions that's true so i'm like i'm trying bmw i'm trying real hard anyway so i I, hate this this car what i think this is gonna do this is bmw sealing their their fate they've this is their nail in the coffin i respond to a lot of posts on bmw's facebook page their cca which is their owners group page beef whiskers uh that is jake I don't even know his real name. I call him Potato. Uh, Jake something. Mm. Yeah, I'm not talking about that. Um, <laughs> that car sucks. <laughs> I know. We, we've had a discussion about the B8 S4 this week. I'm like, you know, it's actually a good car with the manual, but you know what exists? The 335i manual. Is it's the, is cheaper. It... It's way better. Now we're talking about the B8. Actually, I'm okay talking about the B8. Yeah, because screw this 2 Series crap. Wait, t- tell me about the B8 S4. Uh, w- so, wait, can we just pro- pull a picture? So I know, I know what I'm okay, talking fine. about before I talk <clears throat> shit about a car. I actually want to tell you something really interesting about the B8 S4 in manual transmission, guys only. So, so this is th- this is not the 4.2 V8. No, this is the 3.0 T, which is Audi's best engine. This is fine. It's a fine car. It is. They offer it with a really nice feeling manual transmission. The engine sounds pretty good, but have you ever? I had one of these in the shop with the trans off of it. Probably mm-hmm. not because they're actually reliable. Yeah. No, it's it's weird because they've got the uh, in order to keep the the quattro on this or whatever. Normally, you got to move the engine way forward. Mm-hmm. On these, they do it differently. So they actually put the engine kind of where it should be. Okay. They run a it, it, where the flywheel would normally be, right on the back of the crank. There is like a flex plate mm-hmm. with a a twelve inch torque tube that goes over the front axle, and then the flywheel's welded to that torque tube hmm. so the front axle actually goes between the back of the crank and the front of the flywheel oh weird. at level it's really strange it makes it suck to work on 
But it's it's one of the best balanced Audis because of that. There's one catastrophic issue with this vehicle. Ah, oh, there's a bunch of catastrophic issues. This, with this is vehicle. the one. I've not killed any S4s for this because I don't see that many S4s in total. Hello, Corey. I don't see that many S4s in total. Yeah. However, the sunroof drains. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, that's the same thing as BMWs. Let me, let me just explain this to people that might not be entirely aware. Uh, in my background, as I work at a Volkswagen Audi repair shop. We repair Subarus as well, but Subarus don't break nearly as much. Um, now, that's true. It's just a, it's a fact. <laughs> Which is incredible. I, I tell people, like, when they're like, well, what do I do now after their Touareg blow, blows up and they can't afford anything else? I tell them, well... A third of our customers drive Subarus, and maybe one in every 30 cars we see is a Subaru. So, you have that. Um, and 29 are Audis. Yeah. Um, well, no, tw- 26 of them are Volkswagens, and then the rest are Audis. Okay, fine. Um, but still, VAG power trains. What happens to these is the sunroof drain. You have one that goes down the A-pillar mm-hmm. on each side. Yep. Um, now, your body control module and all your important computers are on the floorboard of the... I was going to say, are they on the passenger floorboard or drivers? Well, drivers. drivers. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, and this is the thing, is they're actually at the lowest point for gravity, like for water to go. Yeah. So I've they're, actually... They're bolted to the... Do, do you remember, how, do you remember Jana's uh, Pulp Fiction Horchata incident in my van? Mm-hmm. Um, I had a customer that had that happen with a, a super buddy. Oh, or not a mega no super. What's bigger than mega buggy, buddy? Uh, quick trip. The one, the I biggest. Do not buy soft. The drink. biggest quick quick trip pop. Um, he thought he put it in his cup holder, and he squeezed it and exploded, and totaled his car out over that, because he had a liter of pop. That's a liter of cola of of cola that went directly into the body control module because just like the freak accident of where his leg was placed, all of it went directly there. But anyway. And they don't even conformal coat the PCBs on these boards. They are just dry PCBs in non-watertight enclosures with non-watertight connectors. Yeah. Like, it's actually kind of okay if you put a BCM down there, but you should use amp seal connectors. You should have a conformally coated circuit board, and you should have an O-ringed damn enclosure. Yeah, and or none of them do that. At the very minimum, if you're going to put it on the floor, put it underneath the driver's seat where you have those two structural pillars that go where the seat bolts up, and then that's actually kept away from any water. Like, yeah. But this is the thing. So that happened with a pop. When you're uh, – when people inevitably forget when old ladies that you buy these used S4s from inevitably forget to have their sunroof seat, uh, drains cleaned out, they back up. And they go oh, through the vents. That's a different problem than BMW. Oh, this is way different. So what happens is the sunroof, the drains back up, hmm. and then they go right into the floor and they fry the cars. Sure. And so we've actually killed several B8s over that. And actually just this week killed one, and it wasn't even the sunroof drains. The person lived with their car parked uh, beneath a tree. Okay. The cowl drains yeah. got plugged up. Mm. It went through the HVAC. From the HVAC, the lowest point is the footwell vents, and the footwell vents <laughs> go directly onto the uh, body control module. See, on the BMWs, <laughs> they don't clog. They fall off the sunroof cassette. Oh, yeah. You, that, just have to, ha- you, have to, you have to just put them back on. That happens when they're really old. No, it happens on two, three-year-old cars. Oh, the, that happens on Audis when they're, like, 20 years old. And, and the solution like dried is out. drop the headliner a little bit, put a hose clamp on it, and you're fine. But they don't clog. 
Yeah, no, Audi sure. clogs. Audi and clogs big time. Another thing on sunroof drains, if you buy a slick top car in Minnesota and you drive it for a long time, you won't have nearly as many rust issues because sunroof drains drain salt water inside the panels of your car, yeah. front and rear. That's true. And you can't clean it out. Yeah, that is absolutely correct. So you want to see a much less rusty car? It's a car without a sunroof. Yeah, don't buy a sunroof. I I love sunroofs, but yes, I do I, 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 do, ta- I do take that into, into account. Um, so I think it was a good way to talk about the, the 2 Series is talk about anything other than the 2 Series. Cause I don't want to talk about that car anymore. BMW is dead to us. It's very damn close. Uh, for me, it's been dead. They still offer manual transmission cars, so I okay. can't say no until it's gone. So does Mitsubishi. Yeah, the but Mirage we love, is good. We love Mitsubishi. The Mirage uh, is good. What did we learn this week? I didn't learn anything. You learned not a single thing. No. You and I learned? What? I learned several things. <gasps> I remember something. You go first. Okay, perfect. <clears throat> uh, the first thing that I learned is that rats enjoy driving cars. <laughs> Saw that link to <laughs> dramatic increase in quality of life when scientists taught rats. Did you actually read into it, though? I don't read anything, okay. Ryan. I hate reading. So this is this is the thing. This is exactly why we should not do auto, uh, like autonomous driving because driving is relaxing. They actually uh, measured the level of, I forgot what chemical, I think it's like serotonin or something, that causes you to relax when you're stressed out. It's probably dopamine. Serotonin, I think, is the happy thing. But anyway, yeah, so they measure the level of the chemicals that cause you to relax when you're you're, comfy. And they had these rats drive to go get some food across the floor of this office, and they... um, Freaking adorable. Yeah, they, they measured it, and when you're driving... You're relaxed. Now, if you are the passenger, it actually stressed out the passengers. Well, I, I could see that, especially if the mouse drives like I do. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the first time driving. so. <laughs> and what's Ouch. even better is it's really cute the way they did it. You know how tanks have their little levers to control them? Yeah. They had two levers for the rats to drive with. And so but they didn't give them any instruction, obviously. They put their hands on it. There's a little pause on it, and they push one paw down to turn it left, and then one down to turn it right, and pulls them down to move it forward. This is really cute. And that's how they taught the, the rat to drive. And then they just left him alone and let him go get his cheese. <laughs> it was, like, super <laughs> cute. Well, <laughs> and they were, like, really excited. They tried to, they tried to get Why him out. Why is stuff like this not on the TV news? I have no idea, but like, it's all over the internet news. politics, I don't know. Yeah, but um, they tried to get one, and one kept driving away from them. Oh, really? Like, try to get him out of the like, car? Try, they tried to pick him up out of the car, and he kept accelerating away from the hands, trying to grab him. <laughs> My dude. So this is a perfect example. We test on animals. We test cosmetics on pigs, right? Now we're going to be able to test cars on rats? Now we have scientific proof that humans hate autonomous driving. It will stress us out, and we're all going to hate our lives. So this <laughs> is why autonomous driving. This is what I learned this week. Is we now have scientific proof that autonomous driving is bad for your health. It's bad for you. There it's you actually go. hazardous to your health. Yes, it is. So now, what did you learn? I learned that 1989 BMW 5 Series cars had a mechanical electric immobilizer interlock. Is that, that that beige thing downstairs? Yeah. Is? That's an 89? Yeah. That looks really good for an 89. First year. Yeah. Wow. 89 to 95 was that body style. So E34s, if you got one that seems like it's got a bad ignition coil, but everything checks out just fine... It's your immobilizer, and you can delete that by unplugging it, and it's underneath your back seat. Well, 
That's a. I really like that body style a lot. I was actually when they're in good shape. I was I was looking at uh, BMWs in Washington because Darren lives out there now. He does indeed. Um, He makes many posts about Washington. Yes, he does. And so he's always willing to look at cars for me. I'm actually I found a Fintel Mercedes. I'm trying to get Jan to look at if we don't find a house first. Um, Buy a house first. The Fintel. The Fintel is eighteen hundred dollars. Yeah, and it runs and it's really clean. Fintels are not that cool. It's Jan's favorite. Pontons are cool. Jan's favorite Mercedes is a Fintel. Well, that's wrong, but okay. Well, you gotta tell her that your I face. will. All right. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, I was uh, I, I just found out how just unbelievably cheap they are. They're cheaper there. You can't learn here. two things in one week, right? Sorry, it's I'll a, tell you. It's illegal. I'll tell you later. Tell me about the Fintel next right. week. Well, no, I was talking about BMWs. Tell me about the other thing you learned next week.